We continue in our study of the Beatitudes, and this morning's text is about blessed are the peacemakers. And I'm calling the message, What Do You Make? Making is a very interesting thing, being a creator. I know when I was a child, I discovered very early I did not have an artistic bone in my body. I still remember getting the most simple of all assignments, having to color a red apple. And I couldn't get within the lines, and it just looked awful. And I remember being embarrassed turning it in because I just knew that friends of mine were very artistic, and I wasn't. And then an amazing thing happened when I was a second grader. And to this day, I love to talk about it, and I continue to make the thing I made as a second grader. It was parents' night, and my mom and dad went to the school, and they came home, and they said, Stan, we saw your stick people. They were up on the wall. Well, I couldn't wait till the next day to go to school, and lo and behold, the teacher hadn't chosen everybody's stick people, but she'd chosen mine. Now, probably she knew it because I was so non-artistic that it was the only time I had something that she could legibly tell what it was, but it didn't matter to me because now I was an artiste. So to this day, I love creating stick people. I give them smiles. I put hats on them. I love to give them feet. Arms, you get the idea. Now, you can make fun of my stick people, but my second grade teacher said they were beautiful. And that's all that has ever mattered to me. When I get bored, you'll see me drawing stick people on my bulletin or a sheet of paper that I have. But you know what it really comes down to is that everyone likes to be able to make something. And I admire people who can make things. There is a clockmaker in the town in which our youngest son lives. And I go in and talk to him. And one day, my son Todd said to me, I think that would be the perfect job. I said, why is that? He said, oh, just to be able to sit for hours and build a clock. I'm not like the clockmaker, and I'm not like my son Todd. But I admire it, and I see it. Or if you look at a beautiful painting that's been made, Creating is an important thing. Well, God calls you to be an artiste today. Calls every one of us to be artists. Did we listen to the text? Blessed are the peace, what? Peacemakers. We're asked to make peace. As we do that, it's a choice. And God knows that every single one of us can do that work. You don't need a second-grade teacher to tell you that you can do it well. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus tells you can do it well, and that's what we're going to talk about. Because these Beatitudes are a different way to live our lives. Now, I understand that your secular society may not tell you that that's the most important thing to make. They may tell you it's more important to make money. They may tell you it's more important to make a promotion for yourself. There may be all kinds of things that you may be told to make. But God wants you and me to know that making peace is an absolutely essential part of being Christians or children of God. You know, making peace begins with the Prince of Peace. Do you ever think about that? That's who Jesus is. 
the declaration of who our Savior is is not that some divine being came to earth to just walk among us and see what we were like, but the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, has all these wonderful, wonderful prophecies about our Savior. And right there in it, Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Then what happens, and we're going to be looking at it in a few months when we're in our Christmas season. Yes, it is getting cold outside, and yes, Christmas is just around the corner. And as we stop in our Advent season and at Christmas time, we read Luke's gospel. We'll read in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, about that amazing scene where the baby has been born and the shepherds are out on the hillside and the heavenly host, all these angels show up. And what do they declare? Peace on earth. Goodwill to every single human being. Yes, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, and the angels declared that he would be the Prince of Peace. So what does it mean for us, for us to understand peace and understand how to become peacemakers? It begins with our relationship with our Savior. Because so many people are not at peace with God and not at peace with themselves and not at peace with others. And so every time we gather, whenever we're together as Christians, we should always be reminding each other that we have peace with God as long as we accept what Jesus did for us, that gift that he gave to us, that he died on the cross for our sins to forgive us, and that's why we have a cross in the front of a sanctuary. That's why we try to remember that symbol. It's more than a symbol. It's our Savior gave his life for us to forgive us in order that we could let go of all the stuff? How many of us, let's be honest, how many of us have ever thought about any negative thing we've ever done in our life? Come on, hands up proudly. Yes, we have. And what does the Prince of Peace do? He died on the cross for us to offer us that forgiveness, to take it away, to get us out of our heads, to help us come to peace with God, and then peace with ourselves, and then learn to have peace with one another. Because as long as we are living in the past and carrying the mistakes that we've made or the things that we've done, we will never find peace. Yes, our Savior is the Prince of Peace and became the Prince of Peace for us by giving his life for us. The problem is that we have conflict and we're constantly in need of peace because rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to infuse our life, rather than living joy Christ-centered lives, we take our own will back and we live a different way and that's where we get ourselves into problems. I was a young pastor getting ready and there's, please, I understand that marriages fail, but I still want to tell my story of my first wedding I ever did. I was all excited and I spent an amazing amount of time working with this young couple. I was only 23 years old myself, so I read every book I could. I talked to other pastors, and I just was excited for that first wedding day. And I stood before them, and we had them take the vows, and I stood there thinking, what a perfect couple. Just everything had gone so smoothly. I imagined years from now being able to talk to them and say, you remember when I officiated at your first wedding? Their honeymoon wasn't over, and they'd filed for divorce. 
Not only was it my first wedding, it was my first stark reality to the fact that people don't live in peace. Life has its struggles. Life has its turmoils. Life has all these things that sometimes we can put on beautiful clothes and make it look all wonderful and stand in front of people and pretend that everything is okay, but making peace is essential. Because if we don't come to that understanding of grace-filled forgiveness for ourselves, where we realize what we've done wrong and accept what Christ has done for us, we start holding these grudges and these resentments and everything else that we hold towards others. But once we can realize and forgive ourselves, we're able to extend forgiveness to others. I asked a good friend of mine recently who's a family therapist, you know, what's the secret of Relationships that last for a long time. He said, work. It's work. Making peace. Learning to make peace. Learning to live the way the Prince of Peace lived. And that's why as Jesus asks us to be peacemakers, we need to realize that making peace requires work. Peacemaker. Not peaceable people. Not peace-filled people. We're asked to be peacemakers. We're asked to create peace in our relationships with our children, in our relationship with our spouses, in our relationship with our friends, in our relationship with our parents, in our relationships with our neighbors. We are asked to do all the hard work. And you know what? Making anything is work. It takes work to create something. Stuff doesn't just happen. Years ago, I was in college and a science teacher, had this beautiful model that he had made of the universe, the solar system. had the sun and all the planets. And he was so very proud of it. And he was a wonderful Christian teacher. And one day he told us a story. He said a friend of his was an atheist. And he was in his office one day and said, wow, that is an incredible solar system. Where did you get it? He said, oh, it just happened all by itself. This world took work from God to make. This universe took work for God to make. Genesis talks about how God speaks this stuff into creation. It's work. It takes God's work to put the stars and the moon and all the things that we enjoy, the plants around us. God's handy work, we call it. And now, what's the work we're asked to do? We're asked to make something that will also take effort, peace. In the first century, as Jesus was uttering these words, there was most likely in front of him a bunch of people who were called zealots. The zealots were the first century radicals who they worked hard. They worked hard as resistors. And they were constantly in conflict with Rome, trying to get everybody else to fight the Roman government as if this little tiny country could somehow take on the whole Roman Empire and kick them out and overcome the problems that were happening with the Israelites and the occupying Roman troops. And what Jesus wanted them to know is it is not about fighting the Romans or building a bigger military or being stronger than someone else. It's about making peace. It's about learning to love and to forgive. 
And so Jesus does the radical things to, to make peace. He has a Roman official whose son dies. Does Jesus laugh at him? Does Jesus humiliate him? He mourns for him and does a miracle and says, your son will live. Jesus sees people who are outcasts in his society. Does he put them down? He works to make peace. The first year that Regina and I were married, it's a good thing we have a um, new little granddaughter. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. But Regina's busy today. She's doing some things to help with our granddaughter. But our first year of marriage was tough. And a lot of times I like to talk about it to remind people of how hard it is to make peace. We're in the middle of the Cold War, and I used to, when we weren't arguing and fighting, say, you know, we're sort of like the United States and the Soviet Union trying to get along here, honey. And it was hard. It was tough stuff. I remember when we went a day that we didn't have an argument. We celebrated it. Hey, we made it all day. <laughs> and then it was two days. And we came from radically different backgrounds, and there's so much stuff that was different between Regina and myself, not to mention the fact that I am one of the bullheaded people of this world and hard to convince of anything. But you know what we did and what we've done for 37 years? We've worked at making peace. We work at it every single day. That's why Jesus says it's a peacemaker. And making peace doesn't only require work, it also takes time. I love the word time because time is that wonderful acronym, things I must earn. Making real peace takes time for us to build relationships with other people in which we get along with them. Or learn to practice real forgiveness where somebody realizes that we're not going to hold something over their head. No, we can't listen to that one with our elbows. You know how to listen with your elbows. That's where you jab the person beside you and say, that one was for you. No, it's all for us. We don't listen to, with our elbows at Faith Community Church. We listen with our ears. It's when we have to take time to show another person we are sincere in our forgiveness. I know that when kids argue in the backseat of a car, we think we can solve it all with two words. Stop it. That may settle down the argument, but that does not make for the peace. Because every child in America knows the next words. It's either he started it or she started it. It goes right to that. Making peace takes time. And Jesus is giving us a challenge here. If we're going to be children of God, we're going to take the work to make peace. And we're going to look at the places in our lives in which there's conflict and there's difficulties. And we're not going to accuse the other person. We're going to go to the three people we have control of, me, myself, and I, and look at ourselves and say, what can I do? How can I make amends? How can I be responsible? How can I keep my side of the street clean? It was a long time ago, but on March 1st, 1961, a young president from Massachusetts named John F. Kennedy got the United States to start the Peace Corps. The Peace Corps was going to be work, and it started with 900 Peace Corps volunteers. 
Today, there's over 20,000. It started in 16 countries. Today, it's in over 70 countries. It's had its ups and its downs, but over the years, it's also been imitated by other countries that have started the same kind of thing, and now dozens of countries have that same kind of institution within their country to make peace in the world. Peace Corps. Being a peacemaker. Realizing that settling things down and expressing a calming word or having a prayer with someone is essential. Offering forgiveness. Extending love. Realizing the depths to which Christ has forgiven us and how amazing it is that the Prince of Peace gave everything to bring peace with us, to reconcile us with God and with ourselves. And now what a little insignificant thing it is, even though we think it's huge to put our egos down a little bit, or what I like to do, say, take a step down. Because frequently that's how we make peace. We need to take a step down and not put ourselves at the same level or above someone else, but take that one step down position and say, I'm sorry. I messed up here. But you know, it's really a beautiful thing according to the Beatitude because making peace is the work of God and his children. Blessed are the, maker, the peacemakers because they will be called children of God. You want to leave here this morning and know God's will for your life? Make peace. You want to leave here this morning and know what it means to be a Christian? Make peace. Forgive. Reach out to somebody who's struggling. This word peacemaker is only found in one verse in the Bible. Doesn't appear anywhere else. Search the rest of the scriptures. In the first century, there was a secular writing that talked about making peace. But that was for the rulers, and the idea was that the kings could make peace because they could sign treaties between nations. But Jesus takes a thing that's on a national level, and he brought it down to a personal level. And so he said, it isn't really the governments that make peace. It's not really the kings that make peace. He brought it down to you and me. And he went to the individuals and looked at them and said, eh, forget the governments because they're never going to solve our problems anyhow. Blessed are the peacemakers when you and I do the work to have reconciliation. Because what those people do out there may seem to be more significant, but what we're asked to do is the most important work at all. Making peace is acting like God's child. It's realizing that we are God's children and take our direction from our Heavenly Father. It's realizing that governments are still going to mess it up and presidents and congresses and ambassadors and everybody else is not going to get it right. But we're asked to get it right by loving and forgiving and working on relationships and realizing that there's nothing as important as making peace. If we have a problem with a person, what's the step we need to do? How can we extend that grace? How can we take that step down and work with someone else? Being a child of God. The Bible is so full of that in the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus sees children as the answer to so many things. I love to think of the time when Jesus is out and there's 5,000 people and everybody's hungry. 
and nobody knows what to do. And you can guarantee there was a lot of non-peace that day. There was a lot of restlessness and a lot of anger and a lot of frustration and a lot of name-calling and finger-pointing. Didn't you bring the food? Didn't you bring the food? Where did the food come? How come we don't have enough food? There's not enough here. And you can almost see the crowds getting agitated and upset. And the disciples come to Jesus, all frustrated. Jesus, what are we going to do? What's he doing? Just a little kid. And a little kid says, I'll share my lunch. That's all he does. I'll share my lunch. I have a little bread of bread and a little bit of fish. Because the kid is innocent and he doesn't see 5,000 people. He just sees that he has something to share. And what does Jesus do? He blesses it and the multitude is fed. Children of God taking our cues from how God invites us to live. We look at the Beatitudes because they invite us to live our lives a little differently. Not the way our secular world tells us to live, not according to the values that are going to be on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever one you want to put there, not according to the next Hollywood movie or anything in our society, but to realize that Jesus asks us to live differently. And it comes down to your life and my life. That's really the question today is where is God calling you to do the hard work of making peace? We close our service with a time of prayer where I invite Alona to come forward, and we will then be ending with our last song. At this time, we always just stop for a moment just to take a pause so I welcome you just to sit where you are and just to breathe in this moment. To breathe in and to exhale. To exhale out our humanness and to inhale the love and peace of Christ. That he is calling us to be peacemakers. When Pastor Stan's words washed over us, where was it that Christ was saying, this is the area, my child. This is the point and the aspect where I need you to bring peace in your life, into a situation, into a season. We offer you just this time just to breathe in this moment. As we close our service, we offer the opportunity to come forward, to come and pray at the altar, to come before our Christ and say, yes, you humbled yourself to a cross, and I and my humanness will humble myself before you, our Savior, to offer up our, our prayers and our concerns, to be prayed over, to be prayed with. We have a loving Christ who loves us so, who welcomes us. So as we rise now, as we sing our closing hymn, we welcome and offer you this opportunity to come to the altar to be prayed. <laughs>